Welcome. Good morning, Oak Ridge Community Church. Uh, we've got a couple of things. I'm going to go, I'm going to cover some um, announcements and then we're going to dive into the message. I'd like to start off here at a run. So, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching, that was our final segment in the song there, until Jesus comes back, right? See, we see the day approaching, that day is the return of Christ. So I want to mention a couple of things here. Um, uh, first, first off is um, how to participate. So we have the option of participating in a service in person, and that's a blessing. We also have, we're also blessed with the technology to, to allow people to participate remotely via Zoom or, or, other, or other piece of technology, your phone or whatever it is. I just want to remind everybody that um, the key word in either whether you're here in person or whether you're online remote is participation. So when you come, I encourage you, exhort you, clear your heart, clear your mind, not just some empty-minded thing, but you're focusing on the Lord. We're here to worship Him. We're here to meet Him. We're here to listen to Him. We're here to fellowship with one another. And that's true for you if you're sitting at home right now in your pajamas with your foot up on the coffee table. Hi. If you're here, if you're in your pajamas drinking your coffee, you are welcome. No problem. I've been there myself and done it in the past when we've had remote services. But you're still participating. So be, be, I encourage you, meet the spirit of that verse in Hebrews 10. So we are here to spur one another on to love and good deeds. We are not in the habit of neglecting our gathering together. We come here to, to worship. We come here to meet the Lord. We come here to hear from the Lord. We come here to sharpen and spur one another on. And you can do that if you're in Zoom. Just put, make sure you're leaning in, you're participating, you're listening to what the Lord has to say to you. So just a word of encouragement. Another word of encouragement is just a reminder, I'm sure you well know, currently Howard County has a mask mandate. And we, we, as a, as a, we, we honor this mask mandate because it is the right thing to do. As believers in Jesus Christ, we submit to God-ordained authority on some things that are difficult unless that God-ordained authority tells us to do something that's unscriptural or immoral. And after two, almost two years of thought and prayer and counsel across the board, I am, I am at peace, and we as an elder team are completely unified that honoring the mask mandate that the county and the state puts out is, a, is an appropriate way for us to honor authority, to honor the Lord who ordained that authority, and to be a good testimony in our communities. Rest assured, if there ever comes a time where any civil authority commands us to do something that is against Scripture or against morals, we will find an appropriate way to resist that. But we now, we, we submit to this, we obey this in faith, in faith that God is going to use it to enhance our testimony to a, to a lost world. And another thing, too, is we also just want to make a comment. We trust God. We trust God with our health. These are serious times. Some, some of us are more susceptible than others to the pandemic that's going on. But we trust God with our health. We commit ourselves to Him. We ask for healing if we're sick. 
but we trust him. We don't trust, the, we don't trust doctors, we don't trust masks, we don't trust anything. These things are, some of them are common sense, some of them are based on solid directions. We honor that, but we trust God. So one thing I'd like to do right now I'd like to take a moment, and I don't think we've ever done this in the almost two years we've had as a congregation um, facing this, is I'm going, to t- I'm going to take a few moments, and I want us all just to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God would heal you and protect you and protect the people in your lives from this pandemic, and that he would give you a graceful response to the people around you, especially if you disagree with him. On how this, on, on, on all the many things have gone. So let's just take a moment. Um, we'll just have, we'll, we'll take a, a few seconds here, maybe half a minute. Turn to the person next to you. Let's pray, and then we'll get started with today's message. All right, Amen. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for the blessings, and prosperity, and freedom that we have in this country. Thank you that we can meet here, God. I pray, God, I thank you for the inconvenience and the irritation and the suffering and the disruption that this pandemic has put on us as a nation, as lives, communities, families, individuals. Thank you for that trial. God, we commit it to you. We ask that you would use that to build your kingdom. That's what you do all the time as you take our trials and you turn them into something amazing for your kingdom. And I ask that you would turn this trial into something amazing for your kingdom, for your church, for Oak Ridge, for Oak Ridge North, for Maryland, for the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. One other real quick note here is um, Great Commission Europe, uh, an agency that we partner with for missions, has finally given a green light to the, tr- to the missions trip, the VBS um, trip. Um, it's going to be in Hungary this year. Literally gave the green light this past week. They've been working very diligently to, to work out travel arrangements and find out what the um, vaccination requirements are for Europe and Hungary in particular. And um, we, the, the door is open for a very short period of time, maybe like this week, and that's it. If you are interested in, being, in, in joining Shirley and I and our family to go there and serve these missionary families, you need to let me know immediately. Um, there's going to be some costs involved. You'll have to have all your vaccination um, uh, requirements up to date. I'm happy to go into all those details offline, but you need to let me know like immediately, immediately, like today, if you can. So I just want to let you know this trip is open to anybody in our congregation um, to participate in that. So, all right. We are made for. I tell you what, I am excited to be here today. Every week that goes by, the Lord has, uh, it's not just the caffeine, but the Lord has made my heart more and more forward-looking. He's given me the grace to smile at the future of what he's doing at Oak Ridge Community Church and Oak Ridge North. So uh, just a brief recap of our reforging process. The reforging of Oak Ridge Community Church includes this sermon series we are made for, um, which talks about the foundation uh, of, uh, of our local church. It includes team meetings that are happening over the last month or so um, during the week uh, that talk about the strategy, re-examining the strategy and execution of what we're doing as a church. Um, we ha- we're, we're putting together a plan. We expect to have detailed notes to share with people for everyone to comment on here in the near future. And our goal is to have a plan in place in time for the reforging of Oak Ridge in place for, uh, for the April 10th celebration. I mean, again, 
just to be clear, this process is, is a long process of implementation. It's a plan that can be edited and tweaked as the Lord leads and as we cancel together, but our goal is to have something that you've already seen and commented on we can celebrate on April 10th as we launch Oak Ridge North. Um, one, of our one, of our, one of our goals is we want to slowly but surely change the culture of our fellowship to be more outwardly focused on evangelism and discipleship. That's what building his kingdom is all about. So one of the best ways to have the cast vision is to have a worthy vision based on Scripture. This is what a church requires. Some of our goals for reforging, I'm going to repeat these things. You may hear this from time to time because it's important for us to repeat this. Our goals for reforging is to assess, and assess our vision and cast vision, set milestones for the future, and look forward with a heart of faith. Um, practically speaking, once we have a good vision, we need to communicate it clearly. We, starting with me, need to be good examples of living out that vision, seeking the Lord in that vision. And we need to repeat our priorities frequently, and then we need to measure our results as we go forward. These are some of the things that we hope. This is not how we've operated, really, in the past. Some, we, we have in some aspects, but we want the Lord to help us operate in many aspects of our church life according to these processes. And then best practices suggest you're going to hear these principles repeated frequently so that we all internalize them. And also, we're, you're able to speak into them and make sure we're heading in the right direction and hearing the voice of the Lord together. So initial thoughts regarding our vision statement. So we're assessing our vision statement, right? So our current vision statement is Oak Ridge Community Church will be a gathering of communities who do life together and share Jesus together. So I feel like many of us feel like we want to sharpen this vision statement. Two things in particular. It says we are a gathering of communities. First of all, I think that that's a good, that's a good phrase, and it's served us well up to this point. Feeling, we're feeling a desire, I'm personally feeling a desire to have this shift from being emphasis on a community to being more of an emphasis on our, 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 our personal relationship with God and the actions we take in owning our faith. And we're thinking about what that might look like to sharpen that. And also the phrase, do life together. Honestly, it's, it feels a little dated, feels a little bit cliched, and we just want to make sure that anything that we say in our vision statement has, um, A, it's a solid base in Scripture, and B, it comes across as sincere and not cliched. This is not a final, these are just some thoughts so you know where we're heading and what we're thinking in these things. Speak into this process. Help us to make sure we are listening and hearing from the Holy Spirit. So, and we're not a rush. We're not in a rush to, to, to sharpen this or to modify it. So please take your time, pray about it, think about it, and let us know what you think. Um, milestones, again, some big picture milestones this year. Um, Lord willing, we will be launching Oak Ridge North. We'll be reforging Oak Ridge Community Church. Next year, we hope to see two autonomous collaborating churches. And the year after that, I'm not going to make any predictions, but I am smiling at the future. Smiling at the future, like the Proverbs 31 woman who had a heart full of faith and she trusted that God was moving in spite of the fact that she couldn't necessarily see what was coming. Change is inevitable. It's better if it's led by the Spirit, and it's even better still if we're cooperating with that. So change is inevitable. We are listening and we are cooperating with what He is leading us to do. So, the outlines of our, of, the, of our series, the foundations of, a, of our local church. See, here's some of the things that we uh, have talked about already. Our individual worship of God and our requirement for salvation, um, our need to be reliant on Him in every aspect of our life. This is the foundation of our local church. Two is we have fellowship with other believers. 
Akira did a great job talking about what the elements of fellowship are. Um, last week, Brian Racer, just really appreciate the heartfelt transparency and the sincerity he brought in his message talking about the found families are a foundation of our local fellowship. They should be. We've got to be persons and families of integrity that have something worth exporting to the world around us. It starts, doesn't start here in this room, doesn't start on the Zoom chat, doesn't matter how many uh, sermons you listen to, what matters, it doesn't even matter your life group as much as the people you see every single day, 24 hours a day. Are you loving them? Are you serving them? Are you being a real picture of Jesus Christ to the people in your own household? If you are, then you will have something worth exporting to the world around you. So I really appreciate your message last week, Brian. Um, another element of um, the foundations of a local church is our participation in the life of the body of Christ. Something we don't necessarily have talked about a whole lot, but it is true. We are this fellowship, Oak Ridge Community Church. We are part of the body of Christ. And I am excited to talk about that some this morning. I want to expand on what that means. So, the church is the body of Christ. Simple enough, right? Simple enough. I want to take a look at an inspiring passage in Ephesians. You feel free to follow along in your Bible if you want to. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all in the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So most of the time, when I read this passage, my heart is drawn to verse 20, which describes the power of his work in me and in you as believers in Jesus Christ. And that's accurate, solid interpretation of this verse. But you know what? This time, when I read through this passage, I was struck by the eternal nature of God's interaction with his people and how that's a picture of his interaction, his establishment of the body of Christ throughout all time and space. Here's some of the phrases that caught my mind as I read through this time. I encourage you to write this down, go through, read it yourself. The church eternal, every family in heaven and on earth, are, we're powered by his spirit, we're united by his spirit. All the saints in the church to all generations. This is a picture across space and time. You know, it says all the saints here. So I, I, had, I had this picture in my mind that, that pops up. This is what our imagination is for. This is what our imagination is for. 
to take what he says to us and dream about it, to meditate it, and to, and to dwell on it and to obey it. This is what our imagination is for. Here's what came to my mind. Here's the picture he granted me. Is this talking about all the saints, right? All the saints. And we are, as a body of Christ, we are spread across the world. We're spread by geography. We live in different countries. We have different languages. We have different cultures. And that's just a few of the things that distinguish us. It reminded me of that, the, the verse there. It says the breadth and length and height. Of course, this phrase is specifically a reference to the completeness of Christ's love in us, at work in us. Of course, I get that. I get that. But it is in context with the description of how he interacts with the entire church. And that thrilled my heart to read that. I had this picture of the church spread across the world, spread across all lands, all languages, all cultures. And if God is omnipresent, which he is, then he's present with every single one of our congregations. Now, we're not all in the same time zone, but those people who are gathered together this morning seeking the Lord, he's there with them. He's here with us in this room. He's here with you guys on the Zoom call. He's in the other churches next door, across the street, in the next state, across the world. Of course, they're probably done because they're eating lunch now, but he is there with them. It's amazing to think about it. We are in unity with every other believer when they seek the Lord because His Spirit indwells us. And you know what else is even more amazing than that? The fact that He's, he's indwelling us. We are in unity with every other believer across the face of the earth is we are in unity with every other believer across time. This is an amazing picture this is an amazing truth, an amazing fact. Use your imagination. Use, dwell on his word. Picture what he's saying to us. The fact of our unity, our placement in the body of Christ. So God's omnipresent. He's also outside of time. He indwells the church across all space and time. It's amazing to think what we're a part of what we're blessed to be part of. This lifts my mind from the muck in front of me of whether I have to wear a mask or do something I don't like on any other thing or wait in traffic or return a, return a kind word for a harsh word. Lifts my mind. Lifts my eyes. Lift your eyes occasionally. Stop looking at the limited fleshly negative circumstances in front of you. Look at his word and allow that to point you to him, point you to Jesus, point the fact that you are united with the entire church across all space and time. This is what you are saved into, saints. An eternal, power-filled relationship with a God who has infinite riches to pour into you because of what Jesus Christ has done. There's another passage that I'm, I'm, I think of when I think of this passage. Revelation 7, 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. All time and space 
culture, languages praising him. This is what we are a part of. An eternal, power-filled, loving relationship with a living God while united with all other believers across space and time. It's mind-blowing. You can't contain it. But it's worth meditating on. And it will lift your vision away from the dregs and trials and pains of your life. Let's keep this vision in mind as we talk about our local fellowship and our place in the body of Christ. Okay, that's a somewhat hurried big picture view of me just trying the barest, barest trying to understand what God has done. And all that's for his glory. He's done this for his own glory and his own purpose and his own power. It's just, it's a, such, a, such a hurried picture. I encourage you to take, take some time to meditate on it. So what is our, that's the church eternal. So let's talk about the church. Let's bring it a little closer to home. Let's talk about the church temporal. What are we part of here on this earth? What does our snapshot in time look like? And every, every century, every decade has a different snapshot that gets put together in a path. What does our particular snapshot look like in broad terms? So very broadly speaking, across the world, it's about 2.5 billion Christians. Roman Catholics, there's 1.3 billion. Orthodox, 200 million. And Protestants, 1 billion. Yeah, we're in second place. Roman Catholics, again, I'm not going to go into great, some of you will be very happy to know there will be no, there'll be no paintings and no deep maps involved in this. Just very broad discussion of Roman Catholics, the largest Christian church. Approximately 1.3 billion members established in the early Middle Ages after the collapse of the Roman Empire. It's hierarchical in structure led by the Pope and claims primacy over all of Christianity. It is liturgical, meaning there's a lot of ceremony, and very authoritative in its structure. Capital O Orthodoxy, which we'll talk more in a moment about what the difference is between capital O and small O Orthodoxy, comprised of a few dozen loosely allied churches, approximately 220 million members around the world, largely in the Near Eastern world, Eastern Europe, Middle East, established in the earliest centuries of Christianity, split from the Roman Catholic Church in, at the height of the Middle Ages. It appeals to apostolic succession, meaning the, the apostles came, they started churches, and then they have continuous leadership and uh, tradition from the, from the apostles. It's a very, it is also very liturgical and also very authoritative in its structure. And then you got Protestants. It's a mass collection of small O Orthodox Christian churches, totaling nearly one billion members across the world. They split from the Roman Catholics in the early modern era during the Reformation. It recognizes Scripture primarily as its authority and varies immensely in model and structure. So that's the family that we're part of. Now, are all 2.5 billion of those people, have they, each one of them trusted Jesus Christ in a personal relationship? I, I don't know. Probably not. Maybe not everyone in this room has trusted Jesus Christ in their own personal relationship. So we honestly shouldn't judge in many respects in that regard. 
but this is our slice of the church temporal. So first of all, I want to talk a little bit about what unites us with, our, with the body of Christ, and then what are some of the distinctions. And first of all, let's just talk the difference between small O orthodoxy and large O orthodoxy. I already talked about the large O, capital O orthodoxy a little bit. It's the Eastern churches. They've been around for 2,000 years. Uh, you think we have attitude? They've got some attitude about what they think is right and wrong and how to worship God. They have their own traditions. Small O orthodoxy, though. So the, def- the strict definition is orthodox, Thinking is a way of thinking or practice that's true, established, or approved. And small o orthodoxy means the factors that unite Christianity, separate us from other religions and from cults, to be blunt. So here's some of the core doctrines that unite us. Unite all three of these, unite all three of these churches, Catholics, Orthodox, Protestants. Core doctrines such as the deity of Christ. Jesus Christ came to earth, He's God in flesh, truly God, truly man. The other core doctrine is the resurrection, the reality and the importance and necessity of the resurrection in the history of the world and in my life personally and in your life personally. It's also, the core doctrines include man's sinfulness and our need to turn towards God away from our sin and our need for salvation and the church's mission in the world. These are some of the things that unite us with the entire body of Christ and our snapshot. So I have, a, I have a diagram here for you I'd like to show. I, as I was doing some thinking and praying and reading and studying about this, um, this topic, by the way, is worth your consideration. I'm going to toss out a couple of resources here in a, in a few minutes. So here's a diagram. This, is, uh, this, was, this was created by a British historian. His name is David Beddington. He came up with this diagram in the mid-1970s, believe it or not. So, on a historical scale, his point was there are massive similarities between all of, Christ, all of the Christian churches, believe it or not. Massive similarities. The first is our respect for Scripture. And as Protestants, we may place Scripture as the only authoritative um, source of inspiration that we listen to and obey and respond to. Catholics and Orthodox also honor and respect Scripture in addition to some other things, but they base their traditions, they base their laws, they base their traditions and the things that they, they, they are basing it on their interpretation of Scripture. They honor Scripture. The second thing is the centrality of the cross. All of Christianity recognizes the centrality of the cross and the fact that Jesus lived, he died, and resurrected. All of Christianity recognizes the concept of conversion, that there's a change, once I was blind and now I see. There's a point at which we personally need to make a, we need to make a commitment and, uh, um, and, and turn towards the Lord in some way or another. And last but not least, and this is his word, not, my, not mine necessarily, is activism. It's like the church is in the world for a reason. The church is in the world for a reason. As Protestants, as quote-unquote evangelicals, we believe the main purpose of the church is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a world that is lost and fallen and needs it. And there's many other, there's many other reasons that um, the other, 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 like the Orthodox, the Catholics, they have a history going back many, many years of serving, of, of uh, building hospitals, of caring for those who are in need, of preserving knowledge. These are all important things that, the, that they feel commissioned from the Lord to serve, be salt and light 
in a needy world. Very quickly, you're not going to have time to write all this stuff down. I'm happy to give you the, a more detailed description and some of the links here. I've got them in my slides, which should be made available in the ACE midweek, or I'll be happy to give them to you after the service. Um, is a, is this, this is a, it's a great um, YouTube channel. It's called the 10-Minute Bible Hour. And there's a Protestant pastor, and he, he, does, he covers lots of topics. Over the last couple of years, he's been, he's been touring other churches, including Roman Catholics, Orthodox, other Protestant denominations, and just asking what's similar and what's, di- what's similar in core beliefs, what's different in distinctives in how you worship. And his, one of his recent videos was, a Protestant tours an amazing Byzantine Catholic church. So a Protestant touring a Byzantine Catholic church, it checks all the boxes for me personally. So I had to watch it. And it was a really good, it was a really good video. And then another one, he had an interview with a guy named uh, Noel, Chuck Noel. Not, I can't remember his last name. Mark Noel. He wrote a book on church history. It's called What is an Evangelical? It covered some of the same points I just mentioned a few moments ago with that diagram. What is an evangelical? What does it mean? What does it mean scripturally? What does it mean culturally? What are some of the cultural and political baggage that's been assigned to it here, especially in recent decades as Americans? It's a very healthy conversation to listen to to make sure that we're staying on track with what our mission is, which is to preach the gospel to a needy world. So, the church eternal is diverse and perfect. The church temporal, however, including this one, we're diverse but flawed. And that's something that I thought about too. It's like all the things that have to be admitted is the church temporal Throughout all history, has had warts and flaws and sins, blasphemy, heresy, catastrophe, all sorts of nasty stuff. It is flawed, and our church is flawed. And believe it or not, Oak Ridge North, you guys are going to be flawed too somehow, some way. But, but, through the blood of Jesus Christ, the church temporal is still built in to the church eternal. That is just simply amazing to think this group, this, this flawed person, this flawed group, this flawed slice of reality across all the world will be purified by the blood of Jesus Christ and incorporated into the church eternal. What an amazing miracle. What an amazing miracle. How glorious it's going to be one day to see that and to participate in that worship and to glorify God along with all these other members of God's church. Okay, so that's what unites us. Those are some of the things that unite us. And actually, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be talking more about some of that stuff next week on, uh, as, as well. So, but, so the question then becomes, obviously we're not the same. Obviously we're not one denomination. Obviously we're not one organization. Is it okay to be different Is it okay to be separate, peaceably separate, from those that aren't worshiping the same way as you do, but still affirm the same God, the same Savior, the same salvation, the same Scripture? Well, let's just cut to the chase and say it's impossible not to be different. In Ephesians, in, in, in Ephesians, in Revelation, we identify all the things that, dis, that, that are distinctives, language, geography, culture, time, and add to that human nature. All these things provide distinctives 
and provide separation. I think Jesus, honestly, for the sake of time, we're not going to read all the verses, but I think Jesus was preparing his follower for the fact that there was going to be diversity. Just some of the things he shared with him. He said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. He said, I have sheep of other pastures. He said, if they're not against me, then they're for me. I think Jesus was preparing his followers to say, there's going to be differences. There's going to be differences. And it's okay. So let me be clear. And what I'm saying here is we're, this is just one slice of our reforging, right? This is one element out of our reforging, this discussion. I'm not advocating ecumenicalism. I'm not advocating that we surrender our distinctives. I'm not advocating that we back off of affirming core biblical doctrines at all. I'm not converting to Roman Catholicism or Orthodoxy. Okay, maybe a little bit. But these are not the things, this is not what I'm saying here. I want us to have a perspective of who we are in the body of Christ. We will be healthier and happier and more fruitful if we have a healthy perspective there. So let's talk about some of the places where we are succeeding in being united with the body of Christ. A couple things that come to mind immediately, immediately. Columbia Pregnancy Center, one of our most successful and important outreaches and partnerships in Maryland. So delighted to be united with them. SICA, Southeast Church Alliance, the churches that we're united with, the 15 or 20 churches across the Southeast United States, men and women that can speak into our hearts and lives, people that you as youth know as, as dear as good friends from different conferences and things that you participate in. And this is not to mention all the missions. You know, we have this trip to Hungary come up. It's the fifth time we will have done something like this. We have Joe Dunn we support, Robbie McAllister, Mark Groff, the Caters, Mike and Lupe Geis, probably forgetting somebody. We are participating in the body of Christ. These are successes for us. And if you had to guess like where you think we spend, practically speaking, the most time and energy, which denomination do you think that we, practically speaking, work with the most? Say, the Catholics at the pregnancy center, y'all Protestants. Practically speaking, we are united with the Roman Catholics at the pregnancy center. And that's awesome. That glorifies God. That glorifies God. What a delight. What a delight. Mike, did you guys end up having a dinner with the Pregnancy Center folks around Christmas time? So February. So, I mean, they have written many times over the years. Nancy Walter has spoken here on a couple of occasions. And they've said on many occasions, we love you guys. Thank you so much for participating and standing with us in this ministry. I was a little surprised when I thought I was evaluating practice speaking. Who do we spend most time with? Oh, it's the Pregnancy Center. Oh, they're sponsored. They're a Catholic ministry. Praise God. Praise God. So, turn a corner here. I know I'm running out of time, but I'm going to finish this. My point in doing this this morning is not, to necess- I mean, I, it's not only to paint a picture of the mosaic and the glory of God's eternal church. And it's not just to get warm, fuzzy feelings about our place in it, which is awesome. These warm, fuzzy feelings are appreciated sometimes, especially when it's 12 degrees outside. But instead, I want to use this perspective to help us ask a couple of pointed questions.
questions about ourselves. So let's change gears. Given the amazing diversity and power and glory of God's eternal church, and the amazing diversity, power, and tarnishment of the temporal church, why is Oak Ridge Community Church even necessary? Why are we necessary? Why are we a necessary and valuable part of the kingdom of God? Aside from the fact that we are His children, valued in His sight, obviously. Why are we a unique body? Of, why are, are we simply a body of precious relationships? Or is there something unique that God wants to accomplish through us as a local body? Is there something unique that God wants to and is, is and will be accomplishing through Oak Ridge North? What is it? What is it? What do you think? So, spoiler alert, we're going to have some homework on this, and we're going to talk more about this next week as well. But we're going to continue. Here are, some, here are the next pointed questions. If we can ask the question of where does Oak Ridge fit into this amazing tapestry, and why, are, why is Oak Ridge necessary, I want to ask you, what brought you to Oak Ridge Community Church? Why are you here? And maybe even more importantly, what keeps you here in this church? So why is Oak Ridge necessary? What brought you to Oak Ridge? And what keeps you here? So I'm going to take a moment here. This is, again, not the conclusion of the service, but I want to take another moment to pray. We'll just take, make it a brief, a brief time. I want you to pray, and I want you to either ask the Lord, why am I here? Or tell the Lord, Lord, you showed me this is why I'm here. Let's pray. Father, why are we here? Jesus, why are we here? Spirit, why are we here? What is it you have for us to do? What is our spot in the body of Christ that you've created for us, empowered us, and gifted us for? Lord, we ask for your wisdom. Ask for the start of a time of us asking ourselves and each other these tough questions, starting right now, Lord. So, these questions are not just curiosities, like to fill in the blank here. But these questions I just asked you about, why are we here? They strike directly at the heart of our reforging as Oak Ridge Community Church. And they also touch on the planting of Oak Ridge North as well. So now that you've prayed, very briefly, I admit it's not a whole lot of warning, it's a whole, not a whole lot of prayer. Can I challenge you? I'd like to challenge you. And since I'm standing up here with the microphone and the pointer, I get to challenge you. And with that, I'd like to invite Eleanor to come forward and read a section of Scripture for us, please. All right. Good morning. This is Revelation three fourteen to 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. 
I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and solve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I had her read that because those verses are for me as well. They're for you, they're for me, they're for Oak Ridge, they're for Oak Ridge North. They are always for the entire body of Christ. And we know, we've been told before, this Revelation 3.20 verse, which is very familiar to us, is for believers. It's not for unbelievers. So, let me ask you again. May I challenge you? Are you here because you were born into this church? Because your friends are here? Because your children are here? Is it a habit that you've been in for many years? Are you lonely? And you don't know where else to go? Because you like our political stances? Because they're good programs for your kids? Other reasons? Is that why you're here? If any of those reasons describe you, or the reasons that you prayed about a few moments ago, and either told the Lord, this is why I'm here, or you asked the Lord, why the heck am I here? Is there a possibility that any of those reasons that you are here are lukewarm? Are they lukewarm? Or they make you lukewarm? I desire to be hot in the mouth of Jesus Christ. Do you desire to be hot in the mouth of Jesus Christ? Are you satisfied? Are you concerned that you might be lukewarm in the mouth of Jesus Christ? Don't be satisfied. Do be concerned. Examine your heart. Maybe you will come to the conclusion, I'm right where I need to be. My heart is clear. Then I praise God for that. Then you may need to be up here sharing with us at some point. But if there's a possibility that your reason for being here is not clear or it's lukewarm, then I want to challenge you to give it some thought and prayer and bring it before the Lord and ask the Lord, what's it going to take for me to be hot in your mouth, Jesus? I'll just share my own response here briefly. Some of my own lukewarm reasons for being here, if I'm honest. One is I like our church model. I'm heavily invested in it after 35 years of being part of this movement and part of this church. I'm very much in bias of what we do as a church. I like it. I, re I reinforce it. I teach it. <laughs> Surprise, I like it. I gain personal significance from my role as a leader in this church. Nothing wrong with these things. And this is how I earn a living. These bodies, through your tithes and offerings, you pay my salary, for which I'm very grateful. The job of a lifetime. It's a dream of a lifetime. But the, and if I'm honest, these are some of the reasons that I'm here at Oak Ridge Community Church. It's not good enough, David. It's not good enough, David. So I'm going to look at each one of you. We'll take to 11.15. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. 
If you haven't gotten before the Lord and asked him what it is he wants you to do and confirm that this is the reason you're here and make this examination part of our reforging. Make this examination part of your planting of Oak Ridge North. Be hot in the mouth of Jesus Christ. That is how we are going to be such an amazing, joyous part of the church temporal and the church eternal. So briefly, homework. You'll get this in email as well. Here's your assignment for next week. And we're going to take time to talk to each other about this. Why is Oak Ridge necessary? Why did you come to Oak Ridge? Why are you here? And are these reasons good enough for you, for Jesus Christ going into the future? Slow down. Take a few minutes. Listen to what the Spirit is telling you or challenging you or affirming in you. The affirmations are allowed, by the way. I'm not saying nothing you're doing is worthwhile. But have that fresh affirmation from Him. All right, let's pray. Father, very simply, I ask you, break my heart. God, I ask you, break the hearts of every person that's participating in this service this morning. Reforge our church. Plant strongly Oak Ridge North. In Jesus' name, amen.